You are listening to the Fantasy Doctors Major League Baseball Podcast, where we use our expertise in the world of sports, as well as medicine, to bring you the most up-to-date injury news and analysis. Hello and welcome to Episode 8 of the Fantasy Doctors Major League Baseball Podcast, where we combine our medical expertise as well as sports injuries to bring you the most up-to-date injury news and and analysis. My name is Brandon Bowers. I am a doctor of physical therapy, and alongside me, as always, is doctor of physical therapy, Drew Ingalls. Drew, how have you been the past couple weeks? I've been great. Um, I just wanted to give you your condolences real quick about LeBron leaving. Sorry about that. Yeah, you know, it, it, it was funny. I don't know if you saw I posted this on Twitter. I had ordered a LeBron jersey. Dick's Dick's Sporting Goods was running a special that they were they were they were half price, so they were fifty five bucks. So last Wednesday, uh, eight days ago, I, I purchased a jersey because it was half price, and it, it came on Sunday. And I got it out of the mailbox about eight oh one, and I, I posted a picture of it to Twitter and said, "Well, here's to hoping that LeBron stays in Cleveland." And then four minutes later, that Clutch Sports puts out that he he had gone to L.A. So it was kind of. Uh, Funky timing there when, when I got it out of the mailbox to when he announced he was leaving. Did you think they had the scoop with it being half off? You know, they had been half off for a while, but somebody had pointed it out to me and said, hey, these are half off. You might want to get one. And so <laughs> part of me thinks there might have been some sort of inside scoop, but I don't know. I kind of bought it to to frame it and hang it up on, on the wall anyway. So I'm happy I have it at a discounted price, but just yeah. unfortunate that he left. Yeah, it'll be a nice memento, I suppose. Yeah, I guess. And uh, I guess my condolences to you that the Tigers are now 11 games back in the AL Central. Touche. Touche. With that, we're going to get things started here, Drew, uh, talking about some new injuries that have occurred over the past couple weeks. Uh, We're going to start off talking about Jason Vargas here for the New York Mets dealing with a calf strain. Yeah, he was uh, he injured the calf doing conditioning drills. The good news is he threw a bullpen session on Tuesday earlier this week. It went well. Uh, but they're going to have him do a simulated game so that, you know, things aren't as controlled to test out that ankle. He had been off to a rough start with a 2-6 and six, uh, record with an 8.6 ERA. So I don't know if the Mets are missing too much, but he should be back probably within the next week, week and a half. Yeah, he, might, so- he might do a quick rehab stint, you know, might be a triple-A start just to get back things on track. Yeah, I mean, he and then we've got Cindergard, who we've talked about in previous podcasts, down for the mess. So uh, hopefully he gets back soon and kind of can rebound from this calf strain. Moving on here to Clay Buckholz for the Arizona Diamondbacks, dealing with some side or oblique tightness. He was diagnosed with a left oblique strain and was placed on the disabled list back on June 25th. He was not ready to resume uh, throwing as, as of the update that the team provided on the 28th of June, uh, but Per the team's beat writers on Twitter, they're expecting him to resume throwing again next week, but they don't have they don't, they really don't have any kind of hard timetable for his return. So, I mean, Drew, you know, dealing with these oblique type injuries and the kind of the rotary motion of, of batting or, or pitching, they can they can be re- pretty tough to recover from. But I will oh, see yeah. how, see how Buckholz does here. You know, his teammate Robbie Ray, he injured his oblique back in I believe it was late April, early May, and he's been out. He was out for about. A good two months. He just came back, had a nice start. Um, but, you know, as long as they don't feel a need for an MRI and they're not worried that, you know, it might be a grade two, um, you would expect less time, obviously, than two months. Hopefully, you know, maybe two or three weeks, miss a couple starts, come back. But he has pitched pretty well for the Diamondbacks, all things considered. 
Yeah, so like like you said, Drew, fingers crossed for Buckholz. Hopefully, mm-hmm. he don't need any kind of additional imaging or anything. It's a it's a low grade strain, and he can be back soon. Uh, we're heading out east here to a, a bigger name player who's kind of underperformed so far this season, and Gary Sanchez dealing with a groin strain. Yeah, speaking of low grade strains, another great well potentially, but this is a grade one strain for Gary Sanchez. Um, he's expected to be out three four weeks, so that puts him uh, around after the All Star break. Uh, so look for Austin Romine to fill in uh, for Gary Sanchez. They probably just don't, you know, you know, they don't want to rush him back too early with a nice extended all-star break. They might as well just play it safe and wait for him to come back after. But he has been, he's been in the gym. He's been working out according to uh, the manager. Uh, he looks like he's right on track though. That's good news for Sanchez. And again, I mean, Drew, you hit the nail on the, on the head with, with a lot of these guys with some of these soft tissue injuries heading into the all-star break here next week. I mean, there's really no sense in rushing things because they're gonna, they're all going to get a built-in few days off here coming next week. So, no sense in bringing somebody back before they're ready. Looking at Caleb Smith for the Miami Marlins dealing with a lat strain. Um, it, this is a grade three lat strain for Smith of the Marlins, which is not good news. That means it's a full thickness tear of the muscle and ripping of, of the tendon from the bone. Um, he was placed on the disabled list on June 25th, and set surgery is scheduled for this coming Monday, July 9th. Uh, so effectively, his season's over. He'll begin rehab after he gets the surgery performed on the 9th. Uh, there's some good literature that came out uh, a couple years back that was looking at operative versus non-operative management of, of lat injuries. And usually the return to play after a surgical intervention for a lat is kind of in the in the five to seven month range. So that's uh, we're sitting here. Uh, in early July, the seventh month of the year. So five to seven months would be kind of a December to February timetable. So there's a chance that he may not be ready for spring training, but let's keep an eye on kind of how he progresses. But unfortunate news here with the grade three lat strain. Stephen Wright for Boston is dealing with a little bit of knee inflammation following, I I believe he had um, a a procedure performed early on and he's been having some complications with that, Drew. So, yeah, he had a uh, cartilage restoration procedure last year, actually, May of 17. And I think it's probably somewhat similar to what Dustin Bedroy went through later in the season, in which he went in August. They decided to do it earlier in the season instead of kind of wait-and-see approach so that they just get it done. He rehabs throughout all of 2017. He's ready for 18. Uh, Early part of the year, he had to sit out for a suspension, came back, and he actually looked really good. Um, he pitched well against the Tigers, actually. I, I do recall the knuckleballer. But, um, you know, this is just kind of goes with the process after some surgeries is that you kind of get some residual knee inflammation, uh, you know, extending for, you know, a couple weeks out. But uh, after, you're some, after you're participating in more um, involved activities, uh, so they gave him actually a PRP injection to hopefully calm things down and reduce some of the inflammation. We're looking at a possible return after the All-Star break. Um, there's a potential for him to return prior, but, you know, like we've been talking about with all these contenders, they probably want to play it safe. So we more than likely won't see him until afterwards. Yeah. And another name for Boston, who I believe had a similar procedure. We don't have him on the lineup to talk about this evening, but Dustin Pedroia, I I believe had the same procedure and has also been placed on the DL with some of that knee inflammation. I I was reading, there was, there was a nice article that was put out by the athletic uh, talking about this procedure and the doctor performs it. And he, re- he really said it's kind of a crapshoot and putting a timetable 
on the return for these guys can be difficult because everybody's going to respond a little bit differently. Usually it'll kind of ebb and flow. They'll have periods where they feel really, really super good and then run into issues like this. So both Wright and Pedroia de dealing with kind of similar knee inflammation fall in that cartilage restoration procedure in both of their knees. And Daniel Murphy too. He, uh, you know, similar time frame around, actually it was a couple months later than Pedroia. His, I believe was in October, November, and he had to sit up out a couple games and he is, still struggling to find his, uh, you know, find his groove. So I think, you know, compared, you know, comparatively, all three of these are a little bit older than say, you know, Justin Turner, who had his done a couple years back for the Dodgers. So age is probably playing a role in this as well. Yeah. I mean, we, I think we all know it as we age, the, the healing time to recover from things lengthens. And so can't say it's surprising that these guys are, are taking a little bit longer than you couple the nature of the procedure with, sure. in with that as well. And it, it certainly could lead to that prolonged rehab time. Mm -hmm. A big name in Chicago and Chris Bryant dealing with a shoulder injury. He uh, was diagnosed with some left shoulder inflammation, which I believe was initially occurred as a result of kind of jamming his shoulder up on a, on a slide. Uh, he was placed on the disabled list on June 26th, which was retroactive to the 23rd. And he felt some discomfort on uh, July 3rd during batting practice. Originally, the Cubs drew had, had scheduled him to come back on July 4th on the holiday. Uh, but because he had some of that discomfort on the 3rd, they decided to pump the brakes and kind of hold off on things here. He's scheduled to test the shoulder again, taking some more batting practice tomorrow. That's July 6th, as we record this year on July 5th. Uh, so we'll see. He, he's certainly getting close because he had been going through BP and he was on track. But then he hit a little bit of a setback there. So we'll see how things look for him on the 6th tomorrow, Drew. Very good. Looking looking at mm -hmm. Dylan Bundy for Baltimore. A couple guys for, for the Orioles here we're going to talk about next. We're looking at Dylan Bundy, Bundy dealing with an ankle sprain. So, yeah, he injured his ankle. He rolled it while running the bases against the Braves in interleague play. Another reason to get rid of pitchers batting. It just, you know, just let's just do the DH all, all across the board. Um. But nonetheless, he had actually been pitching pretty well for the for the Orioles. In his last eight starts, he's had a, um, let's see here, what do we got? 2.6 ERA, 60 strikeouts across 55 innings. He had been actually pitching very well. Um, it, it looks like things are progressing well, and he's going to make his first start from injury tomorrow night, July 6th. That's good that he's he's coming back and we'll be back in the fold here for the Orioles. Another guy for the Orioles who's not going to be back this season is Darren O'Day, reliever there for Baltimore. He was placed on the disabled list back on June 27th with a grade two hamstring strain, which, as we know, involves that partial tearing of the muscle. And sometimes in some situations, uh, what we see clinically is, is these individuals are able to make their return with kind of that partial tear and rehab will suffice. Unfortunately here for Darren O'Day, rehab wasn't going to cut it and it was partial enough of a tear that they had to go in operatively and uh, repair that hamstring. I, I know my, my Cleveland Indians were looking at him as a potential trade target to help bolster the bullpen, but now with that surgery, O'Day is done for the year. A nasty injury, Drew. I'm not sure if you had a, had a chance to look at this one on video. I, I was flipping through Sports Center when this happened, and, and Jake Jewell for the Angels sustained a pretty gnarly-looking fractured fibula. Um, if you had a chance to look at it, it was pretty nasty. What can you tell us about him? I did watch it. He uh, So he was sprinting towards home plate to cover 
home um, and basically his right leg got caught underneath him while he was sliding into home. So picture his left leg reaching for home plate. The left ankle gets caught and it rolls actually in the opposite way that you typically would roll your ankle. Um, and so when that happens, usually the bone gives out before this huge inner working of, of ligaments go. And so he fractured his fibula and he had surgery on June 29th. And that's going to put him out for the rest of the season. But uh, this isn't going to be an extremely, extremely long rehab where he's going to miss any part of 2019. So he should be ready for winter, uh, you know, training and then pitchers and catchers in February. So he should be good for a return to that. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, Drew. Had he had just had he just been called up? Was he a, a younger guy? He was. He yeah. wasn't on the yeah. roster originally. Yeah, so he just got called up recently, and uh, unfortunately, he's he's out for the season now. Yeah, that kind of reminds me. I, I forget the name of the guy. The guy who came up either last year or the year before for the Yankees who was out playing right field, and then he I, I think he ruptured like his patella tendon or something or his quad tendon trying to make a diving catch. And I remember it was his first game in the bigs. He got to the end of the game. I think his parents flew across the country to be there, and he gets hurt in his very first big league action. It was just just an absolute bummer. Yeah, you're right. Uh, and then he got traded to Oakland in that sunny deal, Gray. Um, I can't think of his name right now. He'll probably come to us here in a little bit. We'll, we'll see if it comes to us. Yeah, you keep talking, and then I'll, I'll think of it. All right. Staying out in Los Angeles with Zach Cozart, a, a big offseason acquisition here for the Angels. He actually tore his labrum in in his shoulder. Uh, he's having surgery and, and is done for the year. So another blow for the Angels. It seems like their list of players on the disabled list keeps getting longer and longer. We're looking at about a six to eight month return to play timetable, which should uh, play out right up before spring training begins, if not a little bit into the start of spring training. Uh, so just a tough blow here for Cozart. Usually this rehab can go pretty smoothly, uh, looking at obviously increasing motion, increasing strength before you get back to your function. But he'll be in a sling for a period of time and be shut down before it begins any, any kind of rehab. But again, six to eight months return to play timetable here for Zach Cozart. I know, Drew, we talked uh, last episode about Carlos Carrasco, who had taken a line drive off the forearm slash elbow, and it, it happened again. This time it was Vince Velasquez for the Philadelphia Phil Phillies dealing with a forearm contusion. That mystery player was Dustin Fowler, by the way. Dustin Fowler. There we go. Now, my question for you is, did you have to look that up or did it just come to you? Oh, yeah. I had to look that up. All right. All right. I'm not an Oakland guy. <laughs> you, are for, you, you are for the Raiders, though, your, uh, your AFC team. That's true. That's true. Not an Oakland City guy. I'm not a you know Golden State guy either. I'm just the Raiders, to be fair. The Raiders. <laughs> but Velasquez, we were talking about. Uh, got a comebacker to the right uh, forearm. That's his pitching arm. Uh, he's looking for a potential return before the All-Star break. Um, this isn't one of those injuries where you have to, you know, be worried for future subsequent injuries. I suppose if he got hit on the same exact spot. Uh, I mean, you'd be a little worried, but the likelihood of that is slim to none. Um, so he should return before the all-star break, you know, with the Phillies contending, you know, why not throw him out there? Right. Yeah. I mean, those, these injuries, I mean, anytime you see a, a pitcher get hit by a line drive, it's a scary situation. And for Velasquez and, and Carrasco here just a couple weeks ago, they've both dodged significant bullets. Uh, so good news for them. And it sounds like everything's going well for him. Is that pun intended? Pun absolutely intended. 
It seems to it seems to be the case here. Every episode, Drew, we hit on one player from each of our our beloved teams. You with the Tigers, and myself with the Indians. So I'll let you hit on Shane Green here and let everybody know what's going on with him, and then I'll wrap the new injuries up here with Danny Salazar. Yeah, well, unfortunately, I don't have a lot of information about Shane Green, the closer for the Tigers. He um, so he pitched the ninth inning and got out of it uh, perfectly fine earlier this week, but um, they noticed a drop in his velocity consistently throughout the inning. So. Um, diagnosing it conservatively as a shoulder strain. He has an MRI scheduled for the day. Uh, my assumption is that he already got it today, but they haven't released the reports. Um, so we're just going to have to wait and see uh, regarding that. So we're looking at Joe Jimenez to fill the void for the ninth inning for the Tigers. And he was probably going to be uh, some, you know, eligible for some trade bait uh, for the uh, deadline here. So I'm not sure what's going to happen if they're, if they're going to, uh, well, they're going to relay the news one one way or another, but um, we were hoping as a as a Tigers base to kind of move some pieces to get some prospects in return. So we'll have to see where where he lands with that. Yeah, I mean, if you had the MRI today, I, I would anticipate the, those results would probably be out tomorrow or Saturday. Usually they get those pretty quick. So unfortunate for a team that's kind of going through the rebuilding and using him as a potential trading piece uh, that, that now he's hurt and it might be a little bit more difficult to move him. Definitely. Danny Salazar for the Cleveland Indians has dealt with a, a host of shoulder and elbow issues the past couple of years, and uh, things didn't get any better for him. They had put him through kind of conservative in, intervention through the second half of last season, and now this season dealing with shoulder inflammation was the initial diagnosis. And then they went in for what was initially termed a, an exploratory surgery on Monday for a shoulder debridement and bursectomy is what they ended up doing. So the surgery was performed on July 2nd. He is done for the year shut down from throwing for, for 12 to 16 weeks. And it's just, it's been the past two seasons have been absolutely injury, injury riddled for Salazar, a guy who was a former all-star. He just can't seem to get healthy. Uh, I was doing a little looking around to see how shoulder surgery had gone in, in previous pitchers. And it's about a 50, 50 toss up at whether he'll be able to come back and be effective. I mean, I always remember Johan Santana towards the end of his career, he had that shoulder surgery and was never the same afterwards. So, it's one of those guys that had so much talent, and it, it doesn't look bright for Danny Salazar. Yeah, it's tough, but uh, you know, with your with your Indians, I think you got a nice a nice bevy of prospects to kind of fill the void with. Uh, was that Bieber and Pluko? Yeah, right? yeah, Adam Pluko and, and Shane Bieber. Pluko. A lot, a lot of people in in Cleveland now, four and zero, have have got the the Bieber fever. Four and zero in his first uh, four MLB starts, and and in interleague play, I believe it was against the Cardinals. His first at bat, he was taking a lot of healthy looking cuts, and then his second at bat, he actually got a double. So wow. he's, he's, he's field. Yeah, he might as well. So <laughs> uh, hopping right along to our injury review, where we talk about injuries from previous podcasts. The biggest name, Drew, that everybody wants to hear about and get an update on is Shohei Otani. What can you tell us about Otani and that Grade Two UCL sprain? So he's returned to the DH role. Uh, he's had two games where he has uh, one looked good and one looked bad. So the first game that he returned, he went 0 for 4 with three strikeouts. The second game back, he went 2 for 4. Um, they're not going to get him back to pitching just yet. And, and if I had to bet, they're probably not going to allow him to pitch the rest of the season. Uh, I think they're just going to use him as a DH role. And um, like I said two weeks ago, you know, I wouldn't have been surprised if they just opted to have surgery right now and then kind of wait for next year. But um, 
you know, it's, it's unpredictable right now. I, I don't think that uh, I'm kind of changing my mind. I think they might just use him in the DH role and kind of roll the dice next season. Yeah. I mean, I, I really don't know if it would be smart for them to use him in any kind of pitching capacity this year, just given the nature of, of that UCL sprain and it being grade two. I know he re- previously we had talked about he had received that PRP injection, and I guess it looked like it was improving on his most recent MRI. So, I mean, at, at this rate, I, I say you keep him in your lineup and he can be effective as a hitter, and I wouldn't touch him with a 10-foot pole on, on that pitching mound. I, I just think it's too risky no. with a talent like Otani. Oh, definitely. Looking at Mike Fuldenevich for the uh, Atlanta Braves was dealing with triceps tightness. Initially, they had shut him down, and then they, they didn't think a DL placement was going to be necessary, but they ended up putting him on the DL. Uh, he was activated on, from the disabled list, though, and rehabbed nicely. He came back on July 1st, and in, in his first outing back, he went five innings, 11 strikeouts, three walks, and one hit. So he's looking like he's doing just fine. Uh, something definitely to keep an eye on when you're dealing with anything that attaches into that elbow of a pitcher. Uh, so he, he's been doing well, and he has made his return and, and looked good in his first outing back. Moving right along to a, an individual that we mentioned a little bit earlier, uh, and that's Carlos Carrasco dealing with that right elbow contusion where he got hit by that line drive off the bat of Joe Maurer. He had a, a rehab start at Double A Akron that went really well. His, his velocity was up. I, I believe he pitched five innings or so. Uh, and he's, he's ready to be activated from the DL. He'll make his next start in rotation. The odd man out here in the rotation for the Tribe is going to be Adam Plutko. Uh, Bieber is going to be the one who stays up in the rotation, and Plutko is going to come back down here to Columbus. So he's filled in nicely, uh, but he's going to be kind of the odd man out here, and Carlos Carrasco has made a swift and speedy recovery. Clayton Kershaw and Julio Urias, both Los Angeles Dodgers, Drew. We talked about Kershaw's back strain and Urias coming back from that shoulder surgery, which we initially talked about in Episode 3. You have an update on those two gentlemen for us? Yep. So Kershaw, he pitched earlier this week through six innings, got the W. He looks good, back to form. Uh, and then, uh, as you mentioned, Julio had the uh, labral surgery last, I believe, August. And as of this past Monday, he was uh, clocked at 91 mile an hour. So um, his his uh, average last year was hovering around 93 miles per hour. So he is right around target range, which is very nice. And then, so we're looking at a potential rehab uh, regimen in July with potential return in August. So just around the, the time for the playoffs to uh, kind of get things back in swing for him. That's good, especially because that Dodgers rotation has been injury plagued. And so Kershaw back and, Hopefully he can, he can stay away from the injury bug, but he, he dealt with the biceps issue earlier in the season, came back from that and dealt with the low back strain. So hopefully he can stay healthy because he's obviously one of the better arms in the game of baseball. It's, it's a lot of fun to watch. So. Oh yeah. Hopefully. Baseball's better with Kershaw for sure. For sure. Moving on here to the quick hits segment where we're going to do our quick hits on the disabled list counter. Uh, a new leader here for the most disabled list days is the Washington Nationals with 904 days lost to player injury so far this season. And Drew, do you have any guess how much money has, has been paid to these players across the 904 days on the disabled list? Oh, prices, right rules. Um, we'll go 52 million. Yeah, so if this was the price is right, you would have lost. Uh, you're, you're about double, but I mean, you really had nothing to base this off of. But $24.4 million 
a loss mm. to these guys that are on the disabled list, which I mean, just, me at the end of the season. Yeah. And then, then you'll be right. You'll be right on the money. <laughs> literally. Um, <laughs> the most disabled list stints though, however, goes to the Los Angeles angels with 22 so far placements on the disabled list. I was looking at some of the data from last year and there are some teams that over the course of the entire last season had 22 stints or less. And so Ooh. the angels here coming up at the midway point in the all-star break with 22 already. I mean, Looking at their list of guys on the table list, I mean, it just goes on and on and on. So, not a good list to be on here for the Angels. Does Okani count as two? Uh, it, yeah, if it was one for – did he go on the disabled list for the blister originally? Well, I didn't know if we're counting that for pitcher and batter. Oh, I see what you're saying. It, uh, I don't know. I think it, it may just count as one since it's the same same guy. Oh, okay. uh, but 22, nonetheless, is <laughs> not a pretty number. <laughs> On the other side of things, though, looking at the least number of days on the disabled list, our, our leader the entire season, season had been the Cubs, uh, which has now lost their throne here to the Astros. And the Astros only have a total of 335 days on the disabled list, beating out the Cubs by one day. So the Cubs wow. are at 336 days total on the disabled list. So, the I mean, it's just nuts. The Nationals with almost triple the number of days lost to the disabled list players that the Houston Astros and the Chicago Cubs have. And they're still, you know, still contending. Yep, still right in there with the best of them. So for the least number of total stints, it's, we've got a three-way tie. We've got the Astros, obviously, uh, the Minnesota Twins, and the Chicago White Sox all have 10 total stints on the disabled list. So, again, a good list to be on for those teams that are contending without any, but without many stints, many days lost, and then a bad list here for the Nationals who have just been god-awful lately uh, mm-hmm. with 904 total days lost to injury. Moving on to who's hot and who's not, a segment that we added a couple a couple episodes back, and we had, we had chatted about potentially calling this the Mike Trout Cole Calhoun segment. So, Drew, I'm going to turn things over to you here. Cole's actually been doing a lot better, so we kind of have to nix that, I think. But moving on, um, we're going to start with the division leaders. Uh, things haven't really changed a whole lot. We still have Boston, Cleveland, Houston all leading the top of their respective divisions with Seattle and the Yankees uh, rounding out the wild card. In the NL, we've got the Braves, the Brewers, the D-backs. Again, things haven't really changed. And then uh, to round out the wild card, we have the Cubs and the Phillies. Something interesting to know is every single division is only separated by one and a half games, except for the AL Central, in which your Cleveland Indians are leading by, what is it, 11 and a half tonight? Something like that. We, we, we're we off yeah, tonight. Who's counting? So, I mean, I mean, guys, yeah. Who's counting? <laughs> oh, man. Well, I mean, that might be something we'll talk about later in the episode. But moving on to the players, hot and not. We've got, uh, we'll start off with the hot players. Javi Baez, he's hitting 483 over the past week with 11 RBIs. He stole home against the Tigers this weekend. He's just a fun player to watch. And then we've got Alex Bregman for the uh, Houston Astros hitting 464, five home runs, 10 ribbies. And then lastly, we've got your boy Frankie Lindor hitting 321. Had a, uh, didn't he have a, a nice, uh, he had one particular day where he had a, uh, like, wasn't it five hits? No, four hits. Yeah, I think he, I think he had two homers and two doubles and like seven RBIs or something like that. That's what it was. But, uh, just a just a stud for for you guys, and then who's not? Um, 
Going back to the uh, Houston Astros, we got two guys on the list. George Springer, he's in a little drought, going one for 23. And then we've got Marwin Gonzalez going two for 25. And then rounding out uh, the who's not hot list is Pedro Severino, the catcher for the Washington Nationals. If you look at, you can look at a couple different stats. He's gone one for 20. If you expand that out to 48 at-bats, he's got three hits. If you expand that out to 88 at-bats, he's got uh, eight hits. So he has been struggling behind the dish. Man, it's just not not a list, obviously, you want to be on. Uh, but hopefully for some of these guys who are struggling coming in here to the All-Star break, a little time off, a little R&R, they obviously won't be making the All-Star team. Uh, so hopefully they uh, can get the, the ship righted and going in the right direction. Drew, we, I kind of threw us a curveball here tonight. I, I added something here to the show outline uh, after I had sent it to you, and that's uh, kind of our second-half thoughts going in here to the All-Star break. We're, we're, we're past the halfway point, so is there anything that catches your eye that you're looking forward to and that you're you're excited to see here during the second half of the season? Well, I'm just going to throw you a, a, a crazy prediction. Um, I'm going to say that the Minnesota Twins are going to surpass your uh, – Cleveland Indians to take the uh, AL Central. They've got Santana coming back from injury. Sano's eventually going to figure things out and come back up, and he's going to, you know, come back and swap probably 20 home runs in between late July, August, September. And then you got Jorge Polanco coming back from suspension. It just adds up. I think that uh, the Twins are going to probably, um, not probably, they're they're going to come back and beat your Indians. So the Tigers are get- done. <laughs> when we get to one of our final episodes at the beginning of October, we can look back to episode eight and hopefully laugh at the uh, at the prediction. Uh, but it, that's why I mean that's why we call them bold predictions. You you go out on a limb and, and you make you make a prediction. Um, I guess this will be my bold prediction. Even though we both talked to this from from a medical standpoint and we kind of advised against it. My bold prediction is that Otani does take the mound again this year as a pitcher for the Angels. Now that's crazy. So we'll, we'll see. I mean, they're both, they're both pretty outlandish and pretty out there, uh, but we, we can look back on episode eight and see uh, who's right. I, okay. I, I, I certainly hope we're both wrong, uh, but, we'll, but we can look back at this episode and, and just laugh at our predictions. We shall see. With that, we're going to wrap up Episode 8, Drew, of the Fantasy Doctors Major League Baseball Podcast. Uh, We thank each and every one of you for listening. Drew, I'm going to turn it over to you real quick if you have any other final thoughts here for the listeners. I'm just going to be tuned in to the um, trade deadline and the All-Star break coming up. Just kind of see what kind of pieces the Tigers can can recoup. And uh, just going to enjoy some some nice performances, hopefully, in the uh, Home Run Derby coming up here. Very well. Uh, a, a quick disclaimer for all of you listeners out there. Be, be careful when you're on Twitter because this is right around the time of the year where there, there are fake accounts that people put out to try and get retweets and attention. So make, sh- make sure these reports you're, you're getting from the actual Ken Rosenthal, the actual, actual Jeff Passan and all those guys, uh, because it's that time of year that some of those, those fake reports from fake accounts will start to come out. So on the topic of Twitter, be sure to follow us on Twitter, uh, the Fantasy Doctors at the Fantasy DRS, myself at BL Bowers 12, and Drew at Drew Ingles. Ingles is spelled I N G E L S. Be sure to check out the Fantasy Doctors website at uh, www.thefantasydoctors.com. And also, as always, please be sure to download our podcast and review us on iTunes. 
with that, we're going to end here, episode eight of the Fantasy Doctors Major League Bo- Baseball podcast for the Fantasy Doctors, Doctor of Physical Therapy, Drew Ingles. I am your co-host, Dr. Physical Therapy, Brandon Bowers, and we will talk to you in two weeks.